You're listening to the Hopped Up Network. The show you're about to listen to is part of the Hopped Up Network's growing family of craft beer podcasts in the U.S. and Canada. I think it's great. Find this show and others like it at hoppedupnetwork.com, the spot for informative and entertaining craft beer podcasts. I love it. I love you guys. You're listening to the Hopped Up Network. You're listening to the Pints and Provisions podcast with Evan, Mark, Ryan, and Dan. You're listening to the Pints and Provision Podcast with Evan, Mark, and Dan. Oh, I forgot someone. I can't Again, beyond that, so drink at your own risk. Drink at your brew at your own risk. <laughs> I mean, the worst thing that happens is you make a a light sessionable, dry hopped, pale ale, IP, session IPA or something like that that it's got a ton of flavor and it's got an easy drink backbone. You always add some dextrose to it with a 450 North ABV. <laughs> a slurshy. <laughs> All right, Kyle, welcome. Uh, you and I are going to start this podcast off right, Pints and Provisions. Um, everyone's scattered because once we decided to go tonight and the coronavirus is around, then uh, it made it really easy for us to get here on our own. And, and Although there is a good crowd here. There is. I was, I was pleasantly surprised by the parking lot. Yeah. So um, Evan here, Kyla across from me, and we're going to do a little bit of recipe breakdown for this episode. So if you're a home brewer, brewer, aspiring home brewer, brewer, then you might find this interesting. If not, hopefully you learn a little something too. Yeah, we're going to nerd out a little bit. Um, we started out with uh, a couple beers off the wall. I currently have the Deschutes Pilsner. Nice, easy drinking, light Pilsner. Um, I guess that could be my sidecar tonight. It's not a bad one. No, not a bad one at all. The 8-plus percent Double Dungeons probably isn't the best one, but it's delicious. <laughs> well, I like Half Acre and, and everything. I love every beer they make. Yeah, every, especially their... Uh, w- I was at an event recently, and of course it was kind of the basics that Half Acre has, but the Pony, I think they had their German-style Pilsner, but then they also, had, of course, had Daisy Cutter. And I've seen so many people... Uh, speaking of Daisy Cutter, brewers and such and things like Craft Beer and Brewer Magazine talk about how that's like one of their favorite pale ales, period. I love it. It's great. Yeah. So uh, that's a staple here. Um, so we also popped what you brought, which was the Funk Factory Guzria Holiday Beer, Creek and Strudel, and describe it for me. Is there a description on there? No. Yeah, they have the Method Traditional logo on there, though. Did you see that? Oh, yeah. Um, I didn't know there was an official logo until... I, I, is that just theirs, or is that everyone's? I want to say that if you... Doesn't Jester King use it? Or maybe they don't, and that's their logo, but... I don't... I, yeah, I, they, they stamp that on all their method traditional beers. 
Yeah, you know, the Amlam, American Lambic. That's much easier to say. <laughs> Amlam. Um, yeah, let me know what you think about that. Here we go, Creek and Strudel. Creek and Strudel. <laughs> Creek and Strudel is our holiday beer for 2019, began as Creek and Lawn, that we reserved to further age in Pips Meadery barrels. This bourbon barrel aged... Or, this bourbon barrel originally held KBBS. What? And most recently held Presto Changeo, their decadent raspberry vanilla coconut nib mead, only released at our holiday party. Yeah. So me and oh. uh, Brad Callier made a made a trip up there, went to the uh, Bears Packers game, stopped in Madison, oh, obviously, yeah. and uh, grabbed a couple of bottles of these. Actually, the uh, the brewer held the last two because I texted him, told him we were driving up from oh, Peoria. Nice. So thank you for that. So are you on a first-name basis with the brewer up there yet? I, yeah, I would say Close. so. Yeah, I, I helped him out at the uh, Midwest Belgian Beer Festival, and, uh, and I'm the guy that drives three hours up and three hours back to go to their brewery. So that well, was, that's, that's, that's good. Yeah, yeah. It's good that he recognizes the effort and the commitment to his brewery and what what you like about his brewery and so that shows that he is paying attention that's good yeah i love those guys up there great because not all brewers are like that some of them are a little more introverted and kind of just stay behind the counter and it's good to get it get get them out there that way you can talk because someone like you someone like me could probably geek out a little bit with the guy uh, and sometimes i like that but i like it it's pretty smooth interesting that this is like a second use barrel first head kbbs KBBS? Well, first it had bourbon, then KBBS. I'm sorry. Then Pips, then (laughs) Creek and Lots. This is a fourth use barrel. Yeah, so if anybody accuses the craft beer industry of not recycling and reusing (laughs) is horse horse manure, (laughs) because that's a prime example of a lot of use out of that American oak. Absolutely. Um, Still pretty bitter. It's got the good sea hops in them, and then still has plenty of dry hops to make it nice and fruity typically pretty dry yeah so i'm always torn between the west coast and the east coast the east coast because i love all things new yeah all, except for some of the new trends in beer maybe not all things new but the new england the new hops i'm a big fan of i'll say that um but i love the the classic style i love pilsners i love just classic styles which is a west coast ipa so it's kind of a back and forth for me between those two so we wanted to do something there, kind of make a fairly more traditional, but then use what we mashed in with and kind of second runnings, because we're going to have two mash tons. It's, we've kind of got that going when we've brewed before these bigger beers like the Stout. And because you can utilize a little bit more efficiency when you split in two separate mash tons, we're going to see what we can get out of a second runnings, sparge it, I bet we can probably nail the session IPA range, hopefully five-ish percent. Should be hard. Use some of these more fruit-forward, newer hops to kind of see how they can shine, especially in a lighter beer. Because I, like you, I mean, my wheelhouse is that double IPA. That is my wheelhouse IPA. Um, But I do love, as the weather warms up here, a nice crushable, uh, like a session IPA, especially if it's super dry hopped. Absolutely. So I think we kind of decided we're going to start with some two-row. You know, you can throw, a reg, throw around Pilsner hop, or Pilsner malt and stuff like that, but, I mean, when you start adding a bunch of hops and stuff like that, there's not a 
ton of difference you're going to pick up. And, and this for me was the the hardest decision because you're trying to essentially brew two polar opposite beers using yep. the same grain. So a New England IPA is just a white stout. If you really think about it, it's a hoppy white stout. You brew it just like a stout, high mash temperature, tons of oats and high protein, um, where the the West Coast is the exact opposite. You want a, a low mash temp. You want kind of a lighter grain base, usually a... A drier beer. A drier beer, yeah. You, it's a sweet beer versus a dry beer, and you're trying to get that out of the, the same grain, which is can be a bit difficult. Yep. So two-row kind of fits both bills, and obviously... Yeah, I think we tossed around... 90%? <clears throat> yeah. 80 90% is going to be two-row. I would say that, and then I think we... I mean, we tossed around maybe using Golden Promise to bump up the the flavor there, but I think you know back to your point, I think two rows fine. Maybe add some oats because yeah, with the New England recipe, you'd probably go pretty heavy on the oats and maybe some white wheat. But I uh, like white wheat. So yeah, maybe we could back it down from ninety to eighty percent that. Maybe some fifteen percent white wheat and five percent oats. Because you still want some body to your West Coast. You just want it a bit drier. So if we kind of maybe split the mash temp, you might get the best of both worlds there. I think we can nail a little bit of the dryness in the double IPA by utilizing the dextrose. Because most of those true double double IPA West Coast IPAs do utilize dextrose to help dry out the beer. That's a good point. Uh, so that's where I think we can make some headway into delineation and that obviously is going to be on the hot side so we'll be fine yep and then uh <clears throat> another spot where we can kind of separate these two is in the the water chemistry so your calcium chloride high. to sulfate ratio um with the new england you want a high calcium chloride softness for the the softness um similar to how you brewed out and then for the west coast you want to flip that so you want a high sulfite ratio sulfate ratio yep um to bring out the bitterness of, of the hop so um again that's hot side so we're we've already we've split already this beer we've and, already split it and, and you're gonna bring some extra equipment so it's really yep. gonna look mad scientist in my garage yes yes it will all i'm doing is praying for a nice warm day i don't think we have to worry about running into lots of people outside because everybody's <laughs> gonna be holed up but i i'd be damned if it's gonna stop me from brewing a beer as long as you don't have a cough and i don't have a cough um, we'll just boil it a little longer. We'll just boil it away. Um, we'll call it the co- we'll call it the COVID nineteen pale <laughs> ale, double IPA. Um, so yeah, that's all on the hot side. So we can add our. And now sometimes adding it in the mash is helpful. You add half of it in the mash, half of it. But we'll try it's to make it more neutral, neutral uh, on on the mash side, and then we can delineate like more on one versus the other. Yep. Um, so mash temperature, we should talk about. Yeah, so what usually ranges between 145, 155? Yeah, I was going to say about, yeah, you want to straddle the 150 one way or the other, five, three, five degrees each side. So um, this is where we're going to have to pick something neutral because the mash is going to be the same, essentially. Correct. So probably thinking more of the, you want the, the lower side. I would say since we're going kind of two-thirds West Coast, you don't want to sell out the whole thing for the yeah. the um, New England at the end. But I, I think you can get 
148. I think 148, 150 would be just fine for this. I'm trying to look to see. Kyle is I'm currently doing research. Here, yeah. No, that's okay because this is a <laughs> lot, and this is not our uh, this is not our day job. Um, this is our hobby, but we do we do at least dig in deep enough to try to figure these things out. Um, so we go that route, 148, 150. Definitely don't want any higher. That way we've get uh, you get a lot. Um, remind me, you get a lot less complex sugars at lower mash temperatures. But Mike, did I get that backwards off the top of my head? Or do you get more complex sugars? More complex sugars that are going to remain, so it's going to be sweeter. At higher temperatures. At, yeah. Yep. So you want a little bit lower <laughs> so we have more simple sugars so they're more broken down. Correct. And Correct. We ha- I, th- I think we can bump up kind of the perceived sweetness of the New England IPA, especially with some of the hops that are out there that are incredibly fruity. And then if you dump a bunch of chloride in there and get the uh, that old boost of sweetness. So, yeah, I'm, I'm fine leaning towards the bitterness. Yeah. And we've got some, we'll probably use some white wheat. Yep. Um, maybe even some oats. Um, any preferences on wheat? I've always liked white wheat. I was looking up torrified wheat, too. It's a little less refined, so it's a little bit more complex, so the proteins hang around a little bit longer, as far as I, my understanding on torrified wheat versus uh, most uh, more, more thoroughly malted wheat. If we have the oats, do we want the extra protein in there? Probably n- not, but do you want to just go with oats or just go with wheat? I like wheat, personally. Now, that's not a traditional, although it's at lower percentages, like 2 to 3% sometimes of... So if you do like a um, 30-pound 30, 30 yeah, two-row, and you add maybe another 6 or 7 pounds, you're only going to be using 1 to 2 pounds of this. I'm trying to look up my old New England recipe to see what I did there. <clears throat> Um, so I did 52%, 53% Pilsner, 27% flaked oats, 20% white wheat with <laughs> a little bit of acidulated malt to bring down the pH. Do you have some acidulated malt already? It's still acidulated? I think it's gone. Okay. I think I'm out, fresh okay. out of grain. But I might be able to find some. Um, I know you, you can just add lactic acid, but I like to... Yeah, let's kind of use Ryan Heitzkerbo it. Yeah, I'd I'd rather do that than add lactic acid. It seems kind of like cheating. Well, I don't think it is, but I'd rather use it on, on like you said, with with one of the four ingredients kind of standpoint. Yep. Um, but I think that's kind of simple in terms of a grain bill. We're going to use a little wheat, um, probably bale on the oats. Um, stick with two row, mostly two row, and we'll be good there. Yep. Um, but last time, we we um, definitely had lots of room to pull off more from the stout if we wanted to if we would have done it last time. So then what we'll end up doing is as the boil's going, and we'll probably want to do a ninety minute boil on the double. I would say so, yeah. And for the New England, I usually go for a 
60 minute. I mean, you can, yeah. if you're not adding boil hops, you can essentially just bring it up to boil to sanitize it, leave it there for right, right. 20 we, well, minutes and kill it. So this is, again, where we're not really spending a whole lot of effort and time more in getting a second beer. Yep. So, yeah, you're right. We could do a 30-minute boil because the 90-minute double IPA is going to keep going. But we're going to start adding some sea hops. Now, I did get some uh, Falconer's Flight, which is basically a combo of many of the sea mm-hmm. hops. So that is a not a traditional, like a Pliny kind of uh, uh, bittering hop. But if you look at the clone recipes for, like, dinner from Main Beer Company, they use Falconer's Flight. So... That's one I have not used yet. Just because it um, kind of had a little bit of a combo. I do have some Centennial at home already, but the Falconer's Flight uh, was something that I thought we could grab because it's kind of a combo sea hop. So it's got the Centennial, the Cascade, maybe Chin Hook. I don't know if it does or not, but think about your usual sea hops. I would, I would hops. assume it has some Chinook in there. That, that's, a, that's a big one. So we've got all of those covered for the bittering. And then we kind of keep adding them towards the end again, like in the 20-minute and less periods, maybe even 30 minutes. Yep. And then, yeah, you, you still extract a ton of kind of fruit-forward flavors it's in the traditional way. And with uh, Centennial especially, that's, uh, why can I not think of it, the uh, the number one beer in the world keeps getting rated. Bell's uh, Two Hearted. Bell's Two Hearted. Is, I think in all Centennial, Centennial. IPA, yeah. And you can dry hop with it. You can yep. bitter with it. Um, and I do have enough so we can dry hop with some Centennial. But I think, um, what did I, because uh, I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you a disclosure. I did order a bunch of this stuff already. And I ended up ordering maybe a little extra, a little bit of more stuff just in case. I uh, did get some Mosaic, did get some Simcoe. I had some Simcoe already. Uh, and then I also got lots of Citra. Perfect. Um, so we should be good on that and double dry hopped. We'll do it at like two weeks and then one week and then keg the guy. Is, um, it, is, that, all, too. is that all for the, the West Coast or are we going to? No, I, don't worry. I got enough. <laughs> I got enough. Uh, but then when we do the session, we'll be more on the cold side hops, whirlpool, dry yeah. hopping. Yeah, so that's another differentiation between those two. So your traditional West Coast IPA, you're, you know, if you could hop it continuously for 120 minutes and make a 21% IPA if you wanted to, or 90 minutes, um, <laughs> as Dogfish Head would do. Dogfish Head would do. Um, but yeah, it's you. You start at 90 minutes and you keep doing it in whatever increments you want, every minute or every 30 minutes. But with the New England, um, I mean, there's some people that don't add any hot side hops nope. it's all all dry hop because you uh you don't want to burn off the um essential oils of of the hops and there's different exactly different temperatures which they'll boil out but the the lowest temp is really 155 so if you drop your beer down to 155 and start whirlpooling it um you won't lose any of the essential oils there or the alpha acids is what yeah, i'm looking for acids. um <clears throat> or no, it's it's the oils. Yeah, not the, the alpha it, It's the oils. Your myrosine and humulene, carophyllene. Now you're going to lose people. Yep. Yeah, um, but yeah. The phenols. The phenols. Not, phenol, the, not the, the, not the polyphenols. The yep. polyphenols. I mean, like, there is literal research now on polyphenols and how they impact New England IPAs. 
I saw Neil Fisher at the Craft Beer Brewing Conference had a computer just like full of lectures about nerds talking about polyphenols. Oh, it, it's it's deep. And so I was talking to Evan here about Scott Janish. He's a, he was a blogger for a while, and he's a incredibly nerdy home brewer essentially. And I think he started branching out, working with a at a real brewery. At, I don't know which one it is, um, but he just came out with a book called The New IPA. A scientific guide to hop aroma and flavor, and he gets in depth, like very in depth, um, a, a depth that I can appreciate from a scientific background, where he's citing all of his sources. Uh, he's going back to some old research papers that are photocopied onto the internet. Um, if you go on his website, scottjanish.com, he's got a hop oil calculator, a hop replacement calculator. Uh, oh gosh. And so you can type in the percentage of the oils that you have in your beer, and it'll generate what flavor that combination of hop oils will produce in your, your final product. It's, it's in-depth, and he's got a whole study about um, scientifically done. If you dry hop and pull it out in one day, dry hop in two days, if pellet versus cone, it's, it's That's like deep. the way, and I like that. Uh, my favorite chef... Uh, and, and, and food guy, Kenji Lopez-Alt, approaches food the very same way. Uh, if you don't have this in your kitchen, it's called the Food Lab, but it's basically that for most you know, comfort foods. So burgers, why would you salt a burger 45 minutes, 10 minutes at the time of grilling? Like, what are the differences? What does it do? Pancakes, why would you do this? Why would you do that? And then he does everything and breaks it all down and sort of like scientifically approaches adding this then and like variables only adjusting one at a time so the same thing it's fascinating because it helps you understand like why you would want to put hops in at a certain time and hops in this alpha acid level at this time and why you would do this that and the other so yeah it's definitely not a book for beginners i would say the scratch homebrewers almanac is the book for beginners when they say don't measure anything just toss all this stuff in the the kettle and go Um, you gotta start somewhere and you can't start at the level of worrying about polyphenols because then you're you're even water chemistry yeah you're never gonna get started you'll you just get overwhelmed and it won't be fun it'll be too, too much work but then once you start learning Okay, I can actually make a good beer, but I can actually make it better. Maybe I can make it different but changing the mash temperature. Maybe I can make it different with, you know, you know, I, for a while I was using distilled water and trying to, then I was like, it doesn't matter. I just use the stuff at home, but then I just add to it. Because that was a whole lot of gallon, you know, jugs of you've, you've distilled water. You've seen my drug dealer kit. <laughs> Mortar and pestle with a little, uh, <laughs> with a little uh, uh, a scale in there that looks like you're dealing in, yeah, dealing in drugs. Yeah, yeah. with a bunch of white powders. With a like, bunch of white powders. It's very suspicious. Just, they're just salts. It's very <laughs> suspicious. Um, well, no, nobody would accuse a, a homebrew of not being a mad scientist. Uh, I think you have to have a little bit of that in you. Yeah, it, it was a, a very, very slippery slope for me. I brewed my very first beer as a smash, so a single hop or single malt, single hop. What was it? Uh, what did I do? Golden Promise with Equinot hops. And that's where I learned that I hate Equinot hops. Yeah. And I can pick them out of any beer moving forward. I thought I ruined the beer. And then I had a single hop Equinot beer from Microphone, and it tasted just like the beer I brewed. Oof. I was like, 
Nope, I did it right. It just I hate this hop. <laughs> is that the kind of thing that has like the the Simcoe cat pee thing that people are really it's sensitive a, it's to? It's a very distinctive kind of earthy. I er, guess it's herbal like and herbal, earthy. Yeah, it just it it stands out with especially in a New England IPA, which a lot of people put Simcoe in, and it yeah. sometimes just doesn't work. It's just it's too on the other side of the scale. Yeah, yeah, I do like. I mean, I don't. I'm not sensitive to the Simcoe mosaic cat pee thing, but um, what's the technical term? Catty? <laughs> something cat urine? That's what I yeah, call yeah, it. Yeah, they, they dressed up the the word cat urine. <laughs> yeah. Well, why? We all know what it means, and we all if you, if you know beer, you you know what that flavor yeah. is. You know what a beer. Oh, this has got a lot of Simcoe or mosaic. <laughs> and it's really more the Simcoe than it is mosaic, but mosaic still has because I think they're aren't they in the same family. Probably this delineation of you know hop families, but um, it's a real tight knit Southern style family yeah. within hops. Yeah, the the cat pee runs strong with this one. <laughs> um, lastly, don't forget yeast. Now, here's what I was thinking. I know you're a you're a you're a big Quebec guy. I kind of decided. I, I kind of felt like we should go with with the West Coast. We want to go with the traditional like California ale, the Chico strain that most. Most of these, oh yeah, double IPAs go with. Uh, I did find an interesting White Labs one, the San Diego Super Yeast, to go for the New England one. It pretty much is, again, super clean, super fast. It's just basically like California ale, but faster. It ferments faster, low ester profile, um, neutral flavor, uh, very versatile. It's similar for California, but generally ferments faster. So I. I went. I hadn't used that before, so I did order some of that. We can always order if we change our mind because yeast lasts pretty long. But it does. Keep it. Keep it simple. Yeah, but for anyone that's thinking about getting into home brewing, the Quebec Quebec yeast trend that has just swept the market. Hop hop on that train. It yeah. is an unbreakable, unbeatable yeast. It's got a most yeast have a temperature range of five degrees. This ferments anywhere from. 63 to 103 degrees without off flavors there's uh bootleg biology is, is one that they've really been pushing a lot and they actually tried to kill their yeast they left it in the the warehouse at like 120 degrees uh they it was months past its expiration date and then they brewed a beer with it and it turned out just fine clean perfect it's uh it's really it i'm surprised it hasn't taken over home brewing more than it has with it being so easy well, to use. And now that it's a little, I don't, and maybe it's just um, naivete of a lot of homebrewers, but, you know, I think it, like, I know Nick down at Bearded Owl has used bootleg biology quite a bit. Mm-hmm. He uses the NEPA blend for a lot of his New England IPAs, as far as I remember. Um, but it might not have been something that was so easily available, but you can get anything now, homebrew. I mean, look at our, look at the equipment oh, yeah. you can get, look at the ingredients you can get now. You can literally have every piece of equipment that's on a smaller scale at home now that pro brewers have. Oh, yeah. It, I mean, look at everything that SS Brewtech Tech puts out. It, there's just I have, ba- I now, baby versions of... I now have a splunding valve. <laughs> it, it's just... It's literally like a honey, I shrunk the, the brewery. It's the identical setup to professional brewers that just sit in your basement. And my friend Mark, who I, I've mentioned before, brews down in St. Louis... He, for Christmas, got his glycol chiller, um, and he is in the finishing touches of his uh, um, 
Pilsner, uh, traditional Pilsner lager. Nice. And he says it's coming out great. He's like, it's so easy to control temperature with this thing. Oh, yeah. That mm-hmm. he goes, I, it's taken him iterations to get a lager down because he had had concocted lots of different paraphernalia to try to keep the temperature down. But essentially at this point, he's been able to um, keep it consistent and low. And so he's excited to share that finished product. And I'd be happy to taste test it. I, I love 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 loggers pilsners and would love to be able to brew one i just don't have the ability and even with the um temperature control fermenter that i have keeping it cold takes a lot of coolers full of ice yep and for these quick ones where you want a cold crash or something fine but to keep it for weeks at lagering temperature i I, i'm not going to be able to keep up with that so I haven't tried it yet, but you can do a pseudo lager with a Kvik strain. Of course you can. Of course you can. Yeah, you can get any. If you can't with normal yeast, <laughs> you can do it with Kvik. It, it's, it, yeah, in three days instead yeah, of three months. In three days. I was just amazed because when we did that New England IPA, the double dry opt, and we utilized the Kvik yeast, I think we started off fermenting at it close to 90, wasn't it? And I, yeah. the the jacketed warmer was at ninety, and I was like, "There's no way that this thing will have not have ester bomb kind of flavors." And it came out perfect, it came out great, and it fermented like absolute oh, madness. Took off, absolute madness as soon as you got that temperature up there. Um, we got we got so um, quickly started on this. We never talked about. Uh, favorite beers over the last week or so. Oh, yeah. Anything that stuck out over the last week? Actually, yes. Um, <clears throat> let's see. Going into the weekend, I was craving a beer, not exactly sure what I wanted. Working on the house, putting up some drywall, taping, mudding, you know, all that fun stuff. Uh-huh. I uh, elected to go with a Pivo Pilsner, uh, and yeah. it was perfect. I love, I, the I love that beer. It's yeah. uh, it's got the perfect little hop bitterness to it that complements Pilsner well. It's it's a phenomenal Pilsner. It yeah, hit the spot. Um, honestly, as uh, as much as I usually don't pick double IPAs, I did get some double dry hop pseudo Sioux in Iowa City this last weekend. Now I got this Tilquin. Um, and this is the plum Tilquin there. But I hadn't had any since we got here. But the double dry hop Sudasu always uh, always is a nice just palate pleaser. When when I go to Iowa City, there's a place there that I always hit up for for good beers called John's Grocery. It's nicknamed Dirty John's because back in the days it used to sell you know nudie magazines, <laughs> so it had been nicknamed Dirty John's. But they usually have some of the best. So we go there to pick up beer, my wife and I. And walk in, and of course you see a bunch of college kids, and because it's a college town. Yep. And I don't fault them for this, but they're walking out with cases of stuff like Bud Light hard seltzer, Hawkeye. <laughs> well, I saw Hawkeye <laughs> vodka in there, and and I just you know I want to I would just want to be like, okay, kids, you know I, I you can drink what you like. I, I'm not going to fault you for that, but you know try something like this, try something like that, something like that. And it was amazing how much these craft, quote, like fizzy cocktail stuff is taking over the beer shelves. It's, uh, what, the first year ever 
Since they've been keeping track that wine has seen a decline in sales, and it's due to seltzer. Due to seltzers, not anything else. Yeah. It's just people are just buying seltzers now, which I don't, if I ever wanted a glass of wine, I certainly wouldn't substitute a seltzer for it. (laughs) No, and I think it ties into this, like, I don't know, health perspective. They think that it's lower calorie, so it's healthier. Um, Some of them aren't full of sugar, but they're not... When you drink as many as you do as a college kid. There was an advertisement. It was like only 70 or 80 calories. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. That seems a bit I, I don't high. Even, half, of the, half the time, I'd never want to be told what these double IP, double dry oh, hopped no. IPAs are. I say like that, a but then we loaf of bread. drink Mamans and Mama. BBTs. <laughs> hey, but, that, but sometimes there you're drinking at least low volumes. <laughs> you know, you could, you could crush one of those... 16 ounce cans of like a, a double dry hopped IPA in like 10 minutes because it's so juicy. You don't sit there and sip on it like you do a Maman. Or maybe you crush a Maman. I don't know. The, the body there is, is very it, apparent. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it, but it, yeah, it's very apparent. Um, it's getting to be. Oh, I'm hopefully, I'm hoping a little bit warmer season around here. We've got few more outdoor activities coming up uh it's going to be easier to brew outside it's not going to be super bitter cold it better not be uh but you never know global warming but of course the big elephant in the room is what the hell is everyone doing with the scare of the virus so you never know all i know is i got enough beer in my house that if i have to be holed up for a week i'll be just fine but how many rolls of toilet paper do you have <clears throat> you know what that's the madness that's actually funny i don't um, understand i because it's not I, a disease that it's a respiratory disease yeah you won't be sitting on the <laughs> toilet on the, it's not like but everyone needs to be crazy about something that's what i, I always say um but don't worry i've got enough toilet paper um water is another thing that i find comical with this whole thing that everyone's hoarding pallets of water and we have, we have that on tap somewhere the municipal water <laughs> supply gets entirely ignored um i do need to make sure i go over to cxt and have enough coffee because i okay. won't survive yep. if that, i don't fair. have enough coffee and if tristan looks at me and says uh you know i can only limit two bags per customer because i'm running out i'll be like you know what god bless you um i will i i respect that you know, but but I have a feeling that uh, I'll be able to buy as much coffee as I want. I've still enjoyed it. They still had some Honduras left. I, I got a cup of that. Made some, isn't it amazing? It's fantastic. It's it's, and I keep brewing different. We're we're gonna completely, we're gonna hijack this whole conversation about coffee. And our love for CXT, but. I continue now to go back to different coffees I usually thought were like really good. You know, like in a pinch, you might have some Starbucks at home already ground coffee. And it is so acridly (laughs) bitter and without flavor. And you make these, even in a drip coffee machine, these CXT coffees, they just have so much more body, flavor, complexity. It's just smooth. And the Honduras finish completely clean. It is very, very sweet, fruity. And then, like, it just finishes clean. Yeah. And, and... It's amazing what he's 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 been doing with roasting these because I know it's not only just selection of beans, but the way he roasts it and the time he takes doing it. So no wonder I think that they're continuing to see lots of success. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, and our and our I think our stout, although I think we're probably in a position where it's going to be undercarbed, 
I'm okay with that. Again, if it's the worst thing about it, if if it warms up, it still drinks wonderfully, like uh, like you want it to. The coffee has really kind of faded in a good way. It wasn't it wasn't a in, incredibly bold coffee to begin with. It wasn't right. like a dark roast. It w- it was a fruity coffee that kind of works with the sweetness of the maple syrup and the sweetness of the stout. And I think it's. Phenomenal. And interestingly enough, the sweetness of the stout, I'm sorry, the sweetness of the maple syrup has actually come forward a bit more. Really? Well, at least to, to, to not be so one-dimensional with the coffee. Um, so the only thing I'd do differently next time is probably just make sure it's carved a little bit more. Um, personally, that's how I think. So I've got your collection of bottles in the car, so don't worry, I didn't, didn't forget that. Ryan doesn't get any because he's not here. He's in Colorado skiing and... He's at high enough altitudes uh, that he can avoid the virus, right? Is that how that works? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> um, maybe he's spraying his... Actually, I think maybe sprinkling our mouths with more bourbon and stuff like that will keep us sterile. Well, that's what I need to stock up on because <clears throat> I normally <laughs> Ron Swanson my illnesses away um, to my wife's dismay. Uh, she's incredibly frustrated by the fact that I can just drink a glass of bourbon and I feel just fine the next day. Uh, but yeah, that's what I'm going to stock up on, and that's, I'm going to kill. It's antiseptic. The uh, what I had, Stag Junior. It's like 138. <laughs> that's that's <antiseptic>. definitely. <laughs> you, I mean, like if <laughs> if you want to be one of those crazies and start cleaning your uh, house with it, your wife may not like the smell, but you'll be you'll be virus free. <laughs> um, well, I think that was uh, a good rundown of what we're going to plan on doing. I know it's uh, sometimes a little too technical for. Um, uh, some folks, but I think it provides a good background as to what it's like constructing these. And at least to our level, I mean, I'm sure you can get way more deep in the woods. You could probably be way less deep in it, but I think it works for us. If there's too many tangents or you couldn't follow, just uh, send us a message. We'll shoot you a recipe. Yeah, there you go. All right. Well, I think it's time to continue to drink a couple more beers. Make sure we stay healthy, wash your hands, and uh, cheers. Cheers. Cheers.